0: So, hello everybody, my name is Joel Daly, but chances are you may know me better as Cape Joel. There's also a chance you might not know me at all. I am the most subscribed to comic book superhero-based YouTuber in Canada, and you're probably wondering if that's true, why have I never heard of you? That's because of algorithms, and we're going to be talking all about that when we talk about breaking into YouTube, which is, of course, the title of this panel. I want to thank you all for being here with me today. This is really, really awesome for me. This is actually a major bucket list thing in my own. YouTube career. I've done panels before, but usually when I do, I'm either emceeing it for someone else and someone much more famous or I'm riding the coattails of someone much more famous and usually American too. So it's nice to know (laughs) that I can be here locally and, you know, give, give back to my community and also, you know, work, work in my own home country. So I don't always got to worry about visas and everything traveling to the States. So, uh, Again, I wasn't really sure how I was going to put this panel together and I thought really the best way I could do it is to kind of tell my own story in a TED talky sort of way and then really just kind of from my story gleam teachable moments that would be good for all of you. So, you know, it's, it's a real comic book origin story. That'll, that'll be the first half of it. And then the second half, I will, of course, open the floor to any and all questions you might have. So that's going to be real good. Uh, I guess you could say that uh, I began my YouTube career in earnest around uh, 2011. I think that's when the first Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie came out. And uh, shocker, I did not like that movie all that much. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take to the internet because I have, you know, an inflated ego. People need to know what I think. And so I recorded a, a little screed video talking about how much I didn't like it. And uh, first teachable lesson, everybody, uh, when I filmed these videos, which thankfully have been lost to time in the Internet, as sometimes happen, I recorded this video in part uh, half in my car and uh, half in my bathroom because that was the only place that actually had good non-echoey audio. Because even then I understood the importance that you can have bad videoing, you can have, you know, bad, uh, what is it, general shaky cam, dark lighting and everything. People will forgive that kind of poor editing and poor filmmaking. No one online will forever, forever forgive bad audio is the thing. Good, clean audio is key. I know many YouTubers who started with dark, grainy, really almost unwatchable videos, but they built a fan base because you could at least hear what they were saying nice loud and clear and so that's that, that's the first big lesson there It doesn't matter what kind of video you're making so long as people can hear it and you know video stuff you'll figure that out as you go along I'm no expert at it I only just recently learned you know the important stuff of you know three-point lighting and all that stuff to make it look good and professional but yeah audio Gotta invest in some good audio, if nothing else. And I know there's YouTubers out there I work with who have much better audio than me. I uh, I thought it was great when I got my first Yeti microphone, but they, they've moved up. They got those little lapel pin mics now, those little Lavelle mics, and I'm always so, so jealous of those because they look so high-tech, and I don't have one yet. But I'm gonna, though. I'm investing in it. Don't worry. Uh, so yes, that first Green Lantern video that I made was actually seen by a group who also did videos and podcasts and general YouTubing. They had way more subscribers than me. I think at the time they had somewhere like 500, almost a thousand subscribers. And you know they had asked me to come and guest on one of their projects. And you know that went to another guest spot, to another guest spot, to eventually I'm co-hosting. What was the name of this group uh, I was working with? Uh, you know, out of respect uh, for the people who still work there, I do not. I left under not great circumstances. I often call them in my videos, name redacted, you know. To protect the people who still work there, but you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it wasn't one reason that I ended up quitting this group, you know, it, it, it definitely wasn't, you know, uh, thanks or money or anything like that, because, you know, that would just be, that would just be silly. You, you could probably figure out what group this was, they're still fairly big, and their initials are that of a major Canadian cable company, but I'll just leave it at that. That also leads me to my second gleamed lesson. Uh, Networking and cooperation with other YouTubers is very very important and a great way to grow your personal brand, grow your channel, and really uh, help expose your content to people who may never have seen it before. Uh, It did wonders for me, and also too, you know, as a little subheading to that, joining a bigger collective to help, you know, share the workload. And everything sure helps. Everything is easier with friends. Everything is easier with people helping you out. And that did wonders for me early in my career. Helped you know open a ton of doors, and uh, I was really happy about that. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, when I started, uh, I only wrote and I only recorded my stuff. Other people edited it for me in the very beginning. And as I eventually discovered. You really got to learn to be an editor too, because that's a much better way to own and control your content. Again, I was in a working situation where you know I I, I wrote reviews. That's that's what I do mostly. For those who don't know I me, mean, I'm a I'm a comic critic. I review the weekly books. I uh, have a podcast. I have several other you know history and lore shows that I do. But at that time, I was only writing reviews, and you know this this was a great opportunity for me because I learned to you know really. I learned what my voice was and my strength as a writer and, you know, it it was definitely a really good learning experience for me to hammer out, you know, all those words and really just kind of write every day. I don't know who it was who said it, but to become an expert at anything, you got to put so many hours into it. That was definitely my, you know, nose to the grindstone putting hours into it thing. Eventually, I did learn to edit and that was probably the best thing for me because it allowed me to have more control. Over my content and that was good. I continued to network with other channels and eventually it hit a point Working for this group that I was working with that it's like "Uh, you know what? I don't really know where my money's coming from and I don't really know how I'm getting paid because here's the thing YouTube of course uh, for those who know and for those who don't you get paid for ads once your channel reaches a certain point You can turn on ads. That's how people make their money Uh, The person who was my boss at the time inked the deal with the MCN, that's the uh, uh, network, the YouTube networks. They they used to be way more powerful and way more influential. Truth be told, they're kind of waning. There used to be like thousands of uh, YouTube companies that you could join with. And a YouTube company is, in the nicest way I can put it, it's a protection racket. You join with them in hopes you're never going to need them. If you know if you ever get something like a copyright strike or if anyone tries to mess with your video you can go talk to them and the hope is that, you know, if you're making enough money for them, they'll want to step in and actually talk to someone at YouTube. Uh, That's another big thing there for you. Uh, When you do become a YouTuber and when you do try and break into YouTube, don't expect to talk to anyone from YouTube. I've been doing this professionally for five years now. I have never once talked to anyone from YouTube and I doubt I ever will because they are a strange labyrinthian business where they want to put as much distance between the creator and themselves. Oh, they still want to take a cut of everything you do, and they will. But, you know, don't don't expect to talk to anyone right there. Just, just, just let me warn you about that one right away. But, uh, yeah, I, I made a big mistake early on in my career working for other people, and that is I didn't know where my money was coming from. So I didn't know what the cut was, and I just took my boss's uh, word for it. And that eventually led to a point of being like, well, I've done everything I can here, I want to control my own content, I want to be my own man, and that's when I launched uh, the Cape Joel channel, which is the channel I have now, and the channel that I've been going strong with for a few years now. I think at last count I have somewhere close to 30,000 subscribers, which you could argue is a drop in the bucket in the greater scheme of YouTube, but in my genre, and in the small Canadian bubble, I'm doing alright, and I can't complain about that. It, It gets me to places like this to talk to people like you and share what i 've learned uh again you know i, I uh, you may have seen my work too i don 't know how many of you are familiar with uh Benny the Comic historian or Rob from Comics Explained. Uh, they they were two really nice guys. Sal from Comic Pop, just an amazing dude, one of the nicest people I've met in this YouTube business, which is, you know, something you don't get to say very often in a business as cutthroat as this when everyone is jockeying for views and subscriptions. But these these were really solid dudes who had been at this, you know, as long as I was, maybe even longer than I was and you know they kinda took me under their wing and you know smartened me up about a lot of this MCN stuff and you know tagging videos right and really trying to work the algorithm that's the thing you're gonna hear a lot when you talk about YouTube, the algorithm. Which, it's kind of like the force from Star Wars, it's, it's, it's always changing, you know. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, what, what is this great algorithm? People claim to understand it, who don't. It's it's this crazy thing and it's always changing. I'm sure, you know, for those of you who watch YouTube videos at home, you've seen a video show up in your feed and you're like, why why is that here? I don't watch anything even remotely close to that, Why why is this here? That's the mysterious algorithm working for you. Someone punched in the right tag, uploaded at the right time from the right place in the world, and because of that, it ended up going viral. It went viral all over the place, and everyone, everyone is chasing that, and everyone's chasing it even more so now, because every year, youtube changes the rules basically they change the rules non-stop and half your job as a youtuber is trying to stay on top of these rules that they keep changing like it used to be uh you know if you lasted this long had this many views you could turn on you could turn on ads on your video anyone could turn ads on once upon a time that's not the case anymore you need a thousand subscribers and you need this many views within like a certain time frame to turn on uh yeah to to turn on ads and that's making it really hard for new creators, because I will admit, when I started, I did not have very high numbers. I had worked for other people. I had gotten my face out there a little bit. I had tried to make myself a brand. But, you know, my numbers were not good in the beginning. But, you know, I stuck with it. I said, hey, you know, this is my career. This is what I want to do. I'm at a good place in my life, uh, you know, in between high school and college and everything. And I, here's the thing, too. I had been doing this in high school. I had started this gig in high school, so I had, like poured all my free time into was actually able to keep up with it in between school and the way i was thinking about it was hey i'm putting time into this gig because i want this to be my job and you know i'm here today so it did kind of become my job but uh yeah so you know it's 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 the time you got to put into it and you got to stay on top of this magical algorithm that's always changing trends is a good thing to look for everyone google trends this is this is this is one of those secrets they don't want you to know things every youtuber you know and love uses google trends to try and stay on top of searchability so you're always at the top of google and you're always at the top of the youtube page itself for when you search something that's what i do i am constantly trying to stay on top of this that's That's another thing. Uh, Like an average day for me, I will read a book for review Wednesday. New comic book day. Some people know this. Hey, you guys know that. Uh, You know, I'll read it. I'll do up my review, record it, render, and then I gotta find the tags. And you gotta find the perfect tags. Some tags are evergreen and will always stay for whatever it is you're doing. Some tags change every day, so you really kind of gotta stay on top of this. You know, it's it's a little like Moneyball. It's the meta that you're trying to chase. It's the algorithm you gotta find. But uh, yeah, that's. That's the gig I've been doing. Uh, It's been really lucky, too, getting to go to conventions like this because it allows me to uh, interact and also network in person. In fact, I would say uh, Geektopia, as it stands right now, has been one of the best shows for me. For networking, uh, everyone around me in the, uh, what is it, guest section, super cool. John Gallagher, uh, Vern Andrew, everyone so nice came up to me, said hi. I, I think in some ways I was a little bit of, uh, what is it, like a little bit of a unicorn. What's like, oh, that's one of those YouTube guys there. Because all these other dudes are, are, are con veterans who have been doing this forever, you know, selling their artwork, selling their books and everything. And you know, super nice guys with a lot of questions I never even consider. Where it's like, oh, you know, how do you how do you feel about merch and everything? How do you feel about this? And truth be told, didn't put a lot of thought into a lot of this. They put into it for me, and I really appreciate those guys. You know, uh, sharing the wealth of their experience uh, with me there. That was uh, that was really nice. And uh, now the part where I take a breath. <laughs> Uh, Another lesson that I really wanna give to everyone in the YouTube thing, especially if you go the route I did working with a company, and that is know your worth and know when it's time to cash out and leave. Because I'm sure many people would tell me that I stayed with the wrong group for way too long and that I should always have tried to do my own thing, and if I did, what could I have been now? So always know where your money is coming from, always know your worth on this thing, and time really is money. That is true, so if you know you're wasting a lot of time on something that's not going anywhere, you gotta drop it. So, like, again, know know what your bread and butter is for your channel. So, for me, again, I do comic books, I do superheroes. Weekly reviews do great for me, because people, even people who aren't reading, want to know what's going on with Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, etc. And they'll check out a video that they might not check out. I have tried to parlay that into other things, like, oh, maybe I'll review the new superhero movie. No one was biting, no one was interested. What about the superhero TV shows? Again, no one biting, no one interested. They don't come to me for that, they go to other people for that, and I could try to make myself into these other people, or I could just try and be the me that I am. Because that's another big lesson, and this is another thing I want you to take away from this one. Make the kind of content that you yourself would want to watch, but also know full well that if there is someone who is doing that better and longer, it's going to be very hard for you to be a better version of that person. Like, uh, for example, who's who's someone who's huge on YouTube? Let's use, I, I don't know, PewDiePie, for example, spawned about a billion different Let's Players, right? And how many have as many subs and as much clout as he does. Not very many. People keep trying because Let's Playing is like that. Same with movie reviews. Again, lots of people do it, but unless you have an angle and a gimmick to it, you're never gonna be better than that other person because the game is literally rigged against you in the YouTube thing. The big channels stay big, and the little guys usually stay little more now than ever. Uh, I think a great success story, though, and one that you know I was really happy about. But it's a it's a success story with a little bit of a caveat to it. Who uh who, who's ever seen those uh girlfriend reviews videos uh, on YouTube? Okay, yeah, Joe. Okay, a couple people have. So their stuff is great. It's well-edited, really funny, cool perspective, fills a niche that wasn't really being filled before in the game sphere of YouTube. And I, I remember being super jealous of these two. Where I'm like, they're so good. Why are they so good? They came out of nowhere and you know beat the system and buck the trend and the algorithm, and they became huge, and Reddit loves them, and what's the big deal? As I found out later, uh, what is it? They, they live in L.A., and one of them is literally a professional editor. So that's why their stuff is so good because they were literally pouring their own stuff into it from other fields. And I'm like, okay, okay, I don't, I don't have to feel that bad then because <laughs> they, they, they had a bit of a leg up in that one. But uh, yeah, the, uh, a viral video is great in this thing. Uh, for a lot of people I know, they only really needed one viral video to help take them from, you know, just like work-a-day YouTuber to like, oh, this is, you know, I can do this professionally now. I, I never really had a viral, well, okay, I had a few within the comic realm, which themselves are smaller than regular uh, viral videos, like maybe like 10,000 or something. I-, I considered viral for me at the time. But, you know, that gets you more eyes on you, that gets you in more recommended. Another thing they won't tell you about YouTube right now unless you're actually in the business, uh, w- w- I will ask you, the crowd here, because we have a good amount of people. Uh, show of hands, who thinks that uh, views are more important than subs? not okay so a couple people there that it used to be the other way around it used to be the person with most with the most subscribers was doing better at YouTube everyone was chasing subscribers is the thing now it's kind of changed. now views are more important than subscribers so you'll have a channel with relatively low view or with relatively low subscribers but gets a lot of views because they keep going viral for whatever reason and also too Because YouTube's ads are also all based on retention too, so how good you're doing on YouTube a lot of the time is based on how long people are watching your videos. I try and keep mine between three to five because, you know, an average comic, 22 pages, you know, sum up the story, you know, give a little insight, make a few dick jokes here and there, you know, good, good, clean family content (laughs) is what that one is. So three to five is about where I try and keep that one. Some people can do better. Like, if there's people who can get you to watch an hour-long video and that that gets good views, They are golden at that point because attention spans, especially on YouTube, statistically—and this is coming from someone who's looked at it—are really short and only getting shorter. Is the thing people can really only watch stuff for three to five videos and or three to five minutes, I should say. And a great thing, uh, you know, use your YouTube dashboard to really help you out because it will actually tell you on the YouTube dashboard when people stop watching which is a very useful tool to know when people have actively stopped watching you and have, you know, clicked off and gone to do something else. I think that's, you know, incredibly helpful uh to know where it's like okay maybe i shouldn't do that thing again that made people click off uh for me obviously uh the thing i think and i have no problem telling people this where i lose most people is my little ad bit at the end of the video where it's like hey if you like what you saw da, 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 da. i don't like doing it i feel like a shill doing it but you should really do it at least if only so you can have uh your little recommended tabs come up there because you get a lot of views from that and like repeat views sometimes people will just fall down like a hole of watching stuff We all do it, and be like, oh, I kinda like that. I'll watch the next one. And I'll watch the next one. And if that's on screen, that's also really good for you. So, you know, you wanna make your stuff unavoidable to people. That's, um, really good stuff right there. Uh, another thing I really learned, uh, for all the different outfits I've worked for, and, like, here's the thing, I've been, I've been solo Cape Joel for a couple years now, but even when I wasn't, I've worked for pretty, I've, I've worked for, or have ghostwritten for, basically all the big comic book channels you can name. Which I, which I count myself really uh, lucky that I've gotten to do that because it's given me a nice insight into how other people run their businesses and how they work. And you know, even though they're bigger than me, the fact that you know they gave me a chance and that you know I can kind you know incorporate everything I've seen. Uh, one thing, and this is another big one: uh, if you want to be a YouTuber professionally, deadlines of your content is really important. If you tell people that a video is uploading at eight. You gotta upload it at 8 because, you know, YouTube is the new television and people want to see their shows at the time you say that they're on is the thing, and people will get very perturbed if you miss an upload. Perfect example, again, I traveled here from Ontario, so uh, my new comic review of Miss Marvel Annual didn't go up because I had set the time wrong because obviously I'm traveling and I didn't want to bring my computer and my rig with me. So I just realized that at lunch where I'm like, oh no, this didn't upload. So I had to run in and obviously... uh manually upload it, that didn't feel great, but at least they got it up and I was sure to apologize uh, on Twitter and on my social media feeds and uh, that's another thing too Twitter is your friend Instagram is your friend when it comes to breaking into YouTube because it's another place where your fans and followers can find you and you can become a regular part of their day I really went all in on Instagram this last year and obviously because I'm here this this is wonderful this is a gold mine for Instagramable content a convention cuz you know hey cool cosplayer cool piece of merch everything like that and that just becomes a snowball and that just keeps going and again if you learn to work the uh, Instagram meta to you know hashtag this hashtag that making sure everybody sees you of course this week everything I've done is hashtag Geektopia because I'm here and because people are looking at it and because you know that's that's good stuff to do I- I'll freely admit I don't remember to do it all the time and I always kick myself when I'm like oh that was a good post but that could have been better is the thing and that's uh, that's uh, yeah, social media is your friend I would say start with Twitter. Twitter used to be excellent for YouTubers. Twitter used to be great because when you published a video, Twitter would auto post about it and be like, hey, check out this new video. For some reason, they stopped doing that in the last year. I don't know why they stopped, and that's become a major pain now because that means every time it happens, I got to go and manually do it myself. And sometimes you forget. Sometimes life happens and you're like, oh, did that, did that remember to happen? No, it didn't. Uh, I manage a Facebook page too. Facebook is probably the least followed thing I do, but I do it anyway, because I figured the people who are on Facebook are on it a lot, and I want them to see my videos when they come up. Reddit is your friend too, I will freely admit. I don't know how to work Reddit. I'm a bad millennial. I don't know. Reddit, thing, upvote, down. It's not for me. If I was making more money, I would hire someone to work Reddit for me. (laughs) That's how bad at Reddit I am. Uh, So, yeah. That's so uh, yeah. That's basically my life story in a nutshell, everyone. That's more or less how I came from where I was to here I am today. Uh, some workable lessons, and I guess too for the second half uh, of the panel. Uh, anyone who had any questions at all, I guess just kind of form a line where I can hear you. We sadly don't have a microphone, so if anyone just wants to come up, form a line, I'll answer any questions you might have, anything at all. Anything, anything. Uh, I guess I'll start. Later. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um,
1: yeah. Um- what would you say is like the most important quality for mm. a youtuber is it would it be like professional like having professional level editing or right. like being fresh having like a fresh original idea right or would it be like being like charismatic right. um like any any kind of trait what, what would you say is the most important
0: right that's that that's an excellent question you know and there's many many schools of thought on this one you know charisma Obviously, we'll get you lots of places in life. I personally like to think if this was an RPG, I'd have a, have a 20 in charisma. <laughs> Again, you know, inflated sense of self-worth helps a lot too. The fact that, you know, people, people need to know what I have to say. Uh, being able to overcome stage fright is a major thing too, because I've seen many people who I can talk to, have a great rapport with, are super fun and funny, and then the second you plunk down a camera in front of them or something to record, they completely clam up and the idea that people are watching completely wrecks them and you know i felt like that a little in the beginning and i like to think i'm more or less over it now the fact that i can address a whole room full of people like you should show just how far i've come on this one uh writing is an interesting thing obviously you know you don't want to repeat yourself a lot you know uh good vocabulary helps Writing comes in time, is the thing, like, I'll go back and I'll watch some videos I've done before and be like, Man, that really sucked. Boy, I've gotten so much better (laughs) since then. I think it's a constantly improving thing. Another thing about, uh, writing for what I do, and I'm sure I've mentioned this elsewhere, but it bears repeating for anyone who doesn't know me. In the beginning, I wrote everything down for every video I did quite meticulously. And I would spend a long time writing and rewriting and everything and being like, Oh, I can make this sharper, I can put more stuff in there. And you'd think they're like, oh, does he keep doing that? No, actually, because it became a major time sink, which hurt my deadlines, which, you know, hurt having new content every day. Eventually, there came a point when I was so confident uh, in what I was saying, what I really think I had found my editing style, and really kind of knew what Cape Joel and the Cape Joel channel was, that now when I do a review, I mostly just shoot from the hip. And some people can tell I shoot from the hip, and some people can't and uh god, god bless the ones that <laughs> who don't know that that i do most of this uh that i do most of it without a script i work without a net now obviously this comes back and bites me sometime like again this week I had to get five videos done because I knew I was going away for three days to the con and at least two more days for travel. So it's like, okay, I got to read these. Okay, but I got to keep that information in my head though because I don't want to start mixing and matching when I start recording and I got to make sure everything's three to five minutes. And oh yeah, I got to be funny too. Being funny helps. People like funny in my humble estimation. You know, A little, little bit of honey helps the medicine go down sometimes and if you can make someone laugh, you know, they'll definitely want to come back and see what you're doing. But, you know, it's, it's, it's any number of things. I think if you do one thing really well, if you're really charismatic, if you have really slick editing, uh, if you are punctual even, I think it will work and I think you will eventually find an audience. And the stuff you're not good at, you'll get better at, you know. It's like it's like a muscle, you gotta, you gotta work it out every so often. And, uh, you know, I, I know plenty of other uh, YouTubers. I know I've gone to plenty of these conferences myself just like people with you and people always said you know oh, the the important thing is to start now and in the back of my mind i'm always like oh what bumper sticker wisdom start now it's like maybe maybe know a little bit before you start now is the thing don't just jump on in with both feet but uh, i would say start promptly because again like i said youtube makes it harder every year to actually make money at it i talked about the uh youtube co- companies before the ones that you sign with that are a little bit like uh, protection rackets Used to be a whole bunch of them, now there's maybe three or four because YouTube has made it so difficult for people to actually be able to turn on ads and start making money in any reasonable way. The smaller YouTube companies are drying up and dying because they don't get to take a little percentage of, you know, anyone's videos. Because used to be, you know, you'd have all sorts of YouTube companies after. Even if you only had 100 subscribers, they're like, hey, come sign with us with a 60-40 split. You know, sure, you're not making much, but we're making 60 of whatever you're making, so it should work out for us. Now there's not nearly as many, and they've only become more corporate, the YouTube companies that you can sign with, uh... I think uh, Disney owns Maker, and I know there's another one. See, see I can say that because I'm not with Maker. I'm a, I'm with Frederator. Hey, Frederator, <laughs> uh, started by a couple of the guys who started Cartoon Network back in the day. They they wanted it to be a hub for animation. They wanted to you know foster the next generation of animators online. Didn't happen, but you know now they got a pretty good YouTube company. And uh, also, too, again, about knowing your worth and everything, Uh, learn to be a negotiator because you will eventually need to learn to negotiate in this gig as I learned the hard way. I cannot tell you how many times people come to me being like, oh, I have a startup ad company. You have a lot of viewers. Can I pay you some money? to do this and my thing is like I mean I, I don't wanna say no to money but at the same time too I'm like look is your thing laden with viruses? Is this app gonna be here next month? A lot of the time they aren't is the thing. So you know be be your own advocate. Don't be afraid to ask for what you deserve, and again, to read the fine print. This is true in every business, but it's also true in YouTube, especially when you're working with a YouTube company. I know some people who signed some terrible deals right out of the gate. Uh, one guy I know, big prominent YouTuber, again, I'll, I'll protect his identity in case he doesn't want this getting out. He was with a terrible company for like five years. They signed him to a five-year contract out of the gate. And they were, like, historically one of the worst companies. And his reasoning made a lot of sense. He's like, oh, well, I didn't know another company was coming around, so I just signed with the first one. Maybe should have waited a little bit on that one. He eventually got out of it, which is good for him. But, uh, yeah, definitely definitely uh, make sure to look at what you're signing, know your worth, and know where your money is coming from. Uh, any other questions? Anything at all from anybody? Anyone at all? Uh, sure. Yes.
1: You know, like, a Obviously it it's gonna be released. a good thing here? I, mean, I think it's new, isn't it? It is, its Oh like
0: yes, the YouTube premiere thing. I have thought about <laughs> using it several times, never actually used it. I know uh, my co-host on my podcast, Matt, he tried it, it never worked for him, but then again, he's from Australia, so I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, I, I do believe YouTube is doing that because YouTube is feeling the Twitch crunch is what they're feeling and Twitch of course people will know that's where you can stream video games that's where people can live stream really Twitch has become the only kind of viable YouTube competition I would say in the last little bit cuz you had Blip and obviously Vimeo you pay them to put up your videos and Daily Motion which god bless Daily Motion for just hanging in there that long it's the little video service that could isn't it but uh yeah the the premiere thing yeah I, i think that's them trying to be like hey you can do live with us even if it's not live i do shorter content and because of that i don't think it would make a lot of sense to do a premiere but if i had longer content you know if i did something that was like an hour and maybe make a big deal about it to be like hey watch this new thing I'm really proud of with me and talk to me also too, doing premiere uh, allows you to get uh, to get tips is the thing because YouTube does have its own live thing and you can uh, give tips to people live again much like twitch the only difference is is you're not getting bits you're actually getting real money I don't do a lot of live content on my own channel I'm on a lot of live content with other people but uh, but I definitely feel like they uh, would have a little bit more expertise on that one is it a good idea yes have I fully cracked the code on it? No, but I will get back to you when I do. No problem, no problem. Good question. Uh, yes?
1: How about making enemies on like YouTube? Because there's the whole thing with you and Scott
0: <laughs> Oh, good story. Good. Oh, I'm so happy I get to tell this in front of a group of people. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, okay, so, uh, yes, uh, YouTube beefs, and, uh, you know, m- m- much like rap beefs and everything, what, what what do you do when you're in one, and how do you deal with that? Uh, I'm happy to say I'm an easy-going guy. I've gotten into no real Twitter dramas, no real beefs, nothing I really couldn't get, you know, on the other side. The block button is your friend, the mute button is your friend. Again, time is money, and arguing with people ain't making you any. Uh, Scott Lobdell, for those who don't know, is a comic writer. He works for DC currently. Uh, you know, he's done stuff like, uh, well he, he wrote a lot of X-Men back in the day, that's what people know him for. But he primarily works for DC now because he's good friends with their VP Bob Harris. Uh, he did that really, really embarrassing Red Hood and the Outlaws thing where they really kind of dragged poor Starfire and Roy Harper Arsenal through the mud. And it was it was one of my earliest videos actually, uh, when I was working for Name Redacted originally, and I, I kind of laid into Scott Lobdell in this video. And looking back on it, maybe I wasn't being the most professional. Maybe I wasn't so much reviewing the work as I was reviewing the man, who by all accounts isn't that nice in real life. And in fact, I've had it confirmed by people I've talked to who work there, but that's neither here nor there. And uh, yeah, he, he really, really did not like me. And this is like the only time, thankfully, I can say that word that I did on my little silly YouTube show got back to a creator and that they were genuinely upset with me. And, and I found out about it in the funniest way possible. I've never met Scott Lobdell. I've never even been in the same room as him. But fans of mine have. And the story goes is that a friend uh, or a fan of mine uh, went to a comic book signing he was doing in California. This was a signing for money, by the way. He wasn't giving away. He was, like, given money for signatures. And someone thought it would be a great laugh to be like, hey, Cape Joel doesn't like Scott Lobdell. I should get him to sign one of these issues for him. And he went up there and said, oh, yeah, make that out to Cape Joel and Scott Lobdell said no and he was signing for like 20 a pop he turned down $20 to sign a joke autograph for me that's how much he hates me and hates my guts can you believe that that is just an insane story I wear it like a badge of honor now but even that was a learning experience and that is like okay I guess I burnt that bridge in this one. I guess if I ever did something with DC, which I've actually done several things, I've actually, uh, that they have a fan channel, the DC Fan Channel, where they let YouTubers like me upload videos. That's a fun thing I got to do, because I actually got to work with a comic company that helps pay my bills. Uh, yeah, I've done several things with them. Never met Scott Libdell, but I get the feeling if I was ever in the same room with him, there, there would be words, and beefs, and probably, a Dagger stared at me. But beyond that, you know, I, the, the way I always tell people when it comes to, you know, uh, navigating YouTube and navigating Twitter and social media is treat it like a stage. It's your stage. It's not your home. It's your stage. You can come on and off whenever you want, you know, play to the crowd that likes you. If someone is heckling, you can ask them to leave if you want. But yeah, treat treat it like your stage not your home that's that's the way i would personally look at that one but uh, a- excellent question and a chance to put a story down on film forever where i can live this way also too from what i understand scott labdell checks whenever his name is mentioned a lot so he's probably going to see this and if he does hey scott sorry it's been a long time can we bury the hatchet man uh, uh anything else any other questions right um, yes sir how often
1: do you like change your opinion on a comic? Like, mm. you know, maybe like a, a dual or whatever a negative review, and then later on like, Oh, it wasn't so
0: bad, It'll be the Right. It'll right. You know, well obviously that happens a lot in art and criticism. You know, changing your opinion is a regular normal human thing and something we shouldn't be afraid of. I think there's nothing worse than sticking to, you know, a, a bad opinion, being, you know, finding out new better information, being like, "Oh, well, you know, I can't be seen as a flip-flopper, so I got to run with this." Uh working in comics like i do and it's an interesting medium to review because unlike television and unlike uh like movies they're serialized stories and they never stop and they keep coming out and there's always big events i can't remember the last time i got to actually go back and reread something with fresh eyes because uh I'm reviewing like 10, 12 books a week sometimes. Sometimes up to 20 if there's an event going on, and it's, you know, there's always new events. It's summertime, which much like events at the movies, totally events in comics. I just finished Thor War of Realms. Uh, Venom Absolute Carnage is gonna be starting up soon, so I'm gonna be incredibly busy. I, to answer your question, I wish I had more time to go back and reevaluate stuff and be like, hey, maybe I was a little harsh on this one. Maybe I was in the wrong headspace. I wish I could go back and reevaluate more stuff. And uh, a lot of the time, I am just going off memory. I'll, hey, free thing. I'll tell you right now. Sometimes if I have to talk about something with you know authority and be a bit of an expert, I'll go back and rewatch my old videos and be like, uh, what did I think about that actually? It's been so long, I don't remember. And uh, it's, it's nice too, to have a catalog and to have stuff that you can fall back on. Uh, I will say this about being a YouTuber. Being a YouTuber actually made me want to take better care of myself physically because I'd have to be looking at my face so much. And as I found out with a lot of my friends and contemporaries, when you film yourself just about every day for YouTube, you're going to see yourself either getting skinnier or fatter or older and grayer. So like, yeah. I definitely wanted to try and take better care of myself, and you you can go back and watch some of my old videos and be like, Ooh, I was in a bad place back then. Ooh, I had a bad case of the moon face back then. I thought that haircut was good. What was wrong with me? But yeah, so that's, that, that's an interesting thing about YouTube and content creation, that uh, you can sometimes go back and sometimes you're not always happy with what you see. But uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything that I would actively be like, in retrospect, I didn't like that I did that. Well, the Labdell thing I was a little harsh on, but uh, if I wasn't too harsh, I wouldn't have a story. By and large, I stand by just about everything I say on there. I have to say just about everything, because I'm sure someone will correct me and be like, No, 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 you did this. That's another thing with YouTube and the internet. YouTube and the internet have long, long attention spans and long memories. And if you think something is gone and buried, it is not. And in fact, I know full well some of my fans are better catalogers of my life than I am. (laughs) Because they'll tell me stuff where it's like, yeah, you said this on the May 6th episode, 2017. I'm like, did I? And then I go back and listen to them like, wow, I surely, surely did. Uh, You know, that actually reminds me of another thing. Uh, Dealing with fans and dealing with people. Uh, When it comes to YouTube and cultivating a fan base, I like to think I'm barely respectful of everyone around there. I like to think I tolerate everything short of intolerance is my thing. But, uh, yeah, every so often you will have to block, you will have to ban, because some people, some people don't know it's all fun and games, some people don't know it's all in jest, some people take it very seriously, and yes, I've gotten death threats just for talking about silly comic books. I've gotten weird fetish requests too, also. I'm apparently a bear! I didn't know what that was until I looked into that. <laughs> That's a real thing. That's a real thing that happened to me. <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing, and you'll, you'll get to learn all about it when you choose to make this your job. Uh, I'm happy to say I've never had a stalker. I've never had anyone be so overly creepy that, like, I feared for my life and had to, like, call the police or anything. I know plenty of people that was the case, though, especially for women on YouTube. Boy, I mean, women get it rough everywhere, but they especially get it rough online. I have nothing but respect for the women who stick in on that one, because, oh, wow, oh, the things you see and the things they collect on there are just... They'd make your skin crawl and just make you you shake your head like, oh, man. But, uh, yes, any other questions, anything at all from anybody?
1: This might be a long shot, but do you have any advice for someone who wants to get into writing comics, or right. at least like as someone who reads a lot of comics? Do you have any tips for like uh, what would make
0: like a better writing tips for? The comics? Right. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I, as I'm sure, I I gotta make this joke because someone will meet me off of the pass if I don't. Where it's like, hey Joel, don't don't those who not write review. It's like yes, and also no, and also shut up. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I like what I like, and I've liked plenty of books that some people hated, and vice versa, but, you know, I would say, you know, be be honest to yourself, you know, don't try and copy anyone else's style, you know, try and give someone new and uh, interesting ideas that they haven't seen, or just even something that you've never seen, and just be like, man, how come they've never done blank? Chances are, if you're asking that question, you're not alone in that, and you should, you should probably write that, that's what I would say. That's my thing. I know uh, on the show I do with uh, Sal Crivelli from Comic Pop, uh, we pitch stuff constantly. We pitch stuff all the time. And people tend to tell me I have good pitches. You know, a lot of the time it's just me saying, like, man, wouldn't it be cool if blank... And then that blank usually turns into a 20-minute conversation. Everyone's like, well, Joel, that's so amazing. Here's the thing, I was just pitching it, I didn't have to write it. I had a beginning, middle, and end. I don't know the moving parts of how we get there, though. And then I also don't know whether they're like, okay, now make it 12 issues with tie-ins. Um, okay. I try and figure that out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the con circuit where we are right now is a great place. uh, If you're uh, wanting to be a creator, you know, talk. Talk to the people in their booths there. Talk uh, to the artists. I know uh, Jim Lee at San Diego every year does, like, actual evaluations of people's art portfolios, which I think is amazing to have someone like Jim Lee, a guy who basically, you know, re and reinvigorated art back in the early 90s, drew, drew every X-Men image that you know and that is famous, to have that guy actually look over your stuff. And the fact that he's also, you know, uh, has a major place within as a president, so, you know, he, he could get you hired if he really liked your stuff. Uh, you know, again, social media is your friend, Instagram is your friend, I can't tell you how many great artists and writers I see who just put their stuff up online, and I'm like, this is amazing, why isn't this person hired? This person is great. But yeah, definitely, definitely build a resume and build a place where people can find you and your stuff is definitely what I would say. Uh, anything else from anyone at all? Any questions? Oh, see a young man there. Don't be shy, it's all good. Did you have something? Right, right. Okay, so, uh, again, a little useful tips. You know, how, how do you make your channel look more appealing? How, how do you find it? Uh, if you go to my own channel right now, you'll see I've got some very nice art. I've got my little caped man that I had designed for me. It's down on my booth out there. Paid a good amount of money for that from an actual professional artist. Always pay your artists, everyone. Never, never say work for free or never say I'll pay you an exposure. They hate that. Don't say that to them. They really hate it. Good art costs money, I paid about $300 for mine, and it was a good, good price, because he did my little logo, and, you know, he did the banner, which is the first thing people see. Uh, Also, too, hey, here's a good one, font. Good font is your friend. Most people think that for, you know, a YouTube video to be seen, you need, like, crazy font, you know, you need something that looks, you know, really striking and different. That's actually not true, and I figured this out very late in the game, the best font you want is simple font you want like ariel you want times new roman and the reason you want that is is that it's very easy to read on a cell phone and on a tablet and more people are doing their you know computing on their phones and on their tablets and big fancy font is harder to read on stuff like this Also, as another thing I'm sure you've noticed, the color yellow. People love the color yellow when it comes to fonts to really catch people's attention. The Simpsons, quite famously, are yellow because Matt Groening had the idea that it would catch people's eye when they were channel surfing. He was right, and the same thing applies to YouTube. Also, too, uh, people read left to right in North America, so if you want to be big in North America, be sure your stuff reads from left to right. Some people move it around sometimes and I can speak from experience, when the writing is on the right, less people watch it. So that's a real thing. So placement is very important. Have it clear, have it well placed, have it be bright and eye-catching. Now obviously there's hacky ways to do this too that I would not recommend because they drive me nuts. How many videos have you seen where it's like, ooh, you know, top 10 things you missed and it's an arrow and like a little red circle and everything in no particular place? Yeah, those do work. But I hate it. (laughs) I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying don't do it. (laughs) Because it's a a real thing. You know, people people will comment just to be like, oh, that arrow didn't mean anything. That circle didn't mean anything. Which, so yeah, that's that's the thing I would say. Font, really work on a good thumbnail. Uh, YouTube has more tutorials for this now than ever. The right dimensions you want to get. I use Adobe Photoshop, and I've used Adobe Photoshop forever. And I've been bad at it for like half the time. I will freely admit, as with everything else, your thumbnail editing will only get better. I actually just changed my thumbnails this month, and I think they're the best I've ever gotten them. Which is funny, because they're also the most simple they've ever been. Because I was overthinking it every other time, and I think they finally have gotten somewhere good with them right now. But uh, yes, that that was an excellent question, is what that was, because that's something people don't think about all that often Uh anything else? Anything else to offer everyone? Uh who, who put it up first? Okay, you first then you. Do you have any
1: tips for people who are too good at editing too? Mm. I've had some
0: problems editing? Right. Uh, again, you know, if you want to be a good YouTube editor, YouTube is also your friend on this. Uh there is many a times I have had to search a tutorial to figure out how to do something. Now, I'm lucky, because if you've seen my videos, they are incredibly simple. I have one template I use over and over again. Some would argue, maybe to my detriment, that it's like, geez, Joe, you've been playing the same song for five years, learn a learn a new tune. But it's gotten to the point where I'm so married to my template, and I'm so married to the music I use, and, like, the cuts and everything that I use. I'm also a weirdo, too, and I'm sure this will get me a lot of angry comments, too. I use Sony Vegas, not Premiere. Everyone I know uses Premiere, but I learned on Sony Vegas, and now I'm so afraid to leave Sony Vegas. (laughs) Even though everyone says Premiere is better, lets you do all the same stuff, and it's easier. Uh, Yeah, I would say invest in a good editing software. And, you know, really, really take the time to learn, you know, mess around with it, get experimental with it. Also, too, just watch videos you like with editing you like and be like, all right, how do I do that? Because that's basically all I was doing in the beginning. Like, oh, this guy's got like a nice uh, transition here. And, oh, how does he get the camera to move along the page? That's really good. And eventually, over time, I just kind of figured it out. But, uh, yeah, pick a program you like learn that program inside and out and stick with that program and uh, again you know I I really don't do a lot of intensive editing my editing is really simplistic is the thing and maybe that's something too. don't be afraid to be simplistic because it doesn't always need to be bombastic and over-the-top in fact I will say there's a good portion of videos which okay they're more popular than mine but I will say are a little over edited you know I think that's the kind of like uh, what is it? Uh, the the Watch Mojo influence of it of videos where it's like you know there's there's very little substance here, but the editing is really flashy and it changes every ten seconds, so people are much more engaged and want to watch it longer. That's that's a good one too. Uh, yeah, change it up every every couple seconds because again I try and have nothing on screen for longer than ten seconds. Because again, if something is there for longer than ten seconds, a lot of people get bored sometimes. So I try and change the actual images. Never, never if you can help it, stay on a static image. Never stay on a static image because people will be like, "All right, I don't actually need to watch this now. I can click around. I can go to Netflix. I can do whatever else." You want to, you want to try and keep attention because keeping attention keeps up retention, and retention uh, means you're better with the algorithm. So it's it's a whole big snowball effect. Uh, yes, you you had something to um, say.
1: What do you think about like, the health of the comic industry itself? Do like, mm-hmm. you think it's kind of like staying the same, growing, declining? With uh, right. the whole comic shops, so you there like, any, any
0: thoughts on that? Ooh, that's, that, that's a good question, too. I feel I feel like I've spoken on this a lot, but it definitely bears repeating. And thank you for asking a comic book question, too, because that's that's what I am. That's my day job. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, we talk about this all the time. Uh, DC was really up a couple years ago when they had DC Rebirth and it felt like they could do no wrong and they were incorporating the Watchmen into their stories and everything was happening and Jeff Johns was the new president and everything looked like it was going so good. And then slowly over the last couple years that's eroded they've got too many prima donna writers now who don't check with continuity and don't check with each other anymore it feels like the watchman story they built up for over two years isn't going anywhere now or if it was it was greatly changed and reworked from what it was supposed to be there's good stuff there but by and large my pull list has just been whittled down to almost nothing at dc right now where meanwhile marvel was in a bad way there for a little bit with constant reboots and you know rejiggerings and everything they've only gotten better now they've moved from strength to strength Jason Aaron is doing great stuff Uh With Avengers, Thor is doing great again. Uh, Nick Spencer, Spider-Man, is having a great mystery right now. Probably one of the best "Who is Bad Guy" mysteries since like the original Hobgoblin storyline. So people are really interested, really invested. Obviously, you got their new slate of young heroes, which I know a couple years ago people were like, "Oh, these young heroes, I don't know about them." But Marvel future-proofed it because they were willing to put the time, effort, and money into them to try and make Nova and Miss Marvel and Miles uh, Morales Spider-Man big stars and now Miles has a huge movie now and everything and now they they waited out they waited out the bad times and they got to the other end of it and I think they're doing much stronger because of that uh, I know there's been some big seismic shifts in comics recently too Vertigo a company that we always thought was gonna be with us was just axed out of the blue and like eight months after they said oh no, no we've got a whole new thing of books there's a weird new regime at DC right now that's making a lot of weird changes, and it's not its not even just the comics. Mad Magazine got killed this week, everyone. Mad Magazine got killed, which is insane, because that thing's been going on for, like, 70 years. That thing's been going on almost as long as Superman, and they just axed it out of the blue one day, and it's the saddest thing in the world to think something that would always be there isn't going to be there anymore. And that I think a lot of comic people took that Mad Magazine news and really got frightened because they're like, oh no, Mad was an institution and they killed it overnight. Oh no, what if Superman or Spider-Man stop being popular? Are they going to kill them overnight too? And it's just, uh, it's weird. Also, too, uh, Robert Kirkman ended Walking Dead just recently. Again, almost out of the blue, like, yep, next issue's the last one. Or potentially the last one. There's talk that it's a secret backdoor to reboot it and to get another number one out there. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about it. But it's, it's a strange and interesting time in the world of comics. You you mentioned comic shops there. I'm maybe a bit of a doomsayer on this, and I know I catch a lot of hell from this, mainly by people who own comic shops, and that is we'll see the death of the brick-and-mortar shop in our lifetime like no no doubt about it it's just not sustainable anymore some people have hung on really good and gotten creative where it's like you know half comic book shop half coffee shop you know half comic book shop half dispensary and you know and they're trying to stick in there they're really trying and I applaud them for that but you know it came to the point where you could have a uh, a shop doing nothing but comics but then that's a niche of a niche And then it became like, oh, well, okay, I'll be a comic shop in something else. But even that's starting to get less sustainable now. And there's no telling where it's going to go because, I mean, just just digital is so easy. And again, I will freely admit, that I'm part of the problem on this one because for my job again I need to read 10-12 books a week. I can't always go down to the shop for that one and bring back a huge long box. I got to get them online because it's easier and also hey making thumbnails for my videos it's easier to do that too. There was a time when I used to scan every page now I don't do that anymore. I save so much time because time is money in YouTube it's time you could be making another video but uh, yeah it's it's a very weird very interesting time I know these characters aren't going anywhere, as we've seen by the success of the movies and the TV shows and everything. You know, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, the X-Men. They're evergreen. They're not going anywhere. They are going to stick around. What form they stick around in, I don't know. Especially as we enter a time in history when it feels like all the smaller companies are being bought up by bigger companies. And, you know, like, obviously, you know, it's DC Comics, a subsidiary of Time Warner Media, and you know it's marvel comics a subsidiary of disney etc cetera, etc cetera. and they're like again you know they, they call them uh, heartless companies for a reason and they're like well you're not making what we want to make so you know we're going we're going to cut off the finger to save the hand on this one i hope it never comes to that i really do but again the sudden death of vertigo and the sudden death of mad magazine uh, you know, f- I, I probably would have been more positive on this one last week before that stuff happened. But, you know, but having Vertigo and Mad get the axe, like, within a couple weeks of each other just makes me go, Grr. That's, the, that, that, that's that's a scary thought is what that is. Uh, anything else, anybody? Yes.
1: The constant, um, so with the culture of comics itself, you have a bunch of people just, like, making headlines and all this. Mm-hmm. And there's, you mentioned DC, so there's stuff like, Gat- the D- o- yeah, the D.O. So Hating Nightmare. How do you know what it, you can or can't believe for? Yeah. It,
0: there was the whole Marvel with the, oh, Nick Spencer's going to write Spider-Man. Yeah. We couldn't confirm that till it actually happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, D- Dan DiDio, Hating Nightwing, I think I think that, that might have been like an antidote, uh, an antidote that was true once, but I think it's morphed and, you know, taken on a life of itself. Like, l- like all great urban legends, where, you know, where it's like, you know, oh, uh, Marie Antoinette said, you know, let them eat cake. She didn't actually say that, but it's such a good story and such a good antidote, you know, they couldn't let it die and it kept going. Maybe... Maybe he one- offhandedly at a writer's meeting one time said, Yeah, I don't really like Dick Grayson. And now that's morphed into like, Oh, I hate Dick Grayson because he makes me feel old. And I also hate every young hero sidekick. I don't want them around anymore. And I hate Stephanie Brown too. I, he probably didn't actually say this, but I'm sure that, you know, it's morphed and changed into a thing. But, uh, oh, geez, I mean, the way Nightwing's being treated now and the way Wally West and the Titans are being treated now... You'd almost want to believe it, and part of me is like, is DiDio playing into that? Is he like, well, they think I hate them anyway, so, you know, let's, let's really blow up their status quo, and let's, let's make Dick Grayson think his name is Rick now for some reason. And let's uh, have the Teen Titans be a Junior Suicide Squad for some reason because, you know, nothing... Ma- a
1: mass
0: and also that, too... Oh, no. Scott him. Oh, Heroes in Crisis. Now, yes, and then, hey, we, we we really heard Wally West's, uh, what is it, character, what do we do? We'll get Scott Luddell to read it, because he did great with Red Hood and the Outlaws. Hey, on the upside, he doesn't like me, so I don't have to read it. <laughs> you ain't getting my money, Scott the view I know the views would probably that's another thing about YouTube you don't always get to do what you want sometimes you do have to trend chase sometimes you do have to do the stuff that's popular I I'm slow to adopt these things like whenever there's a new challenge out there like what was it like the cinnamon challenge and like the lighter challenge and everything and like you know so many people hopped on that and my the way I think of that is yeah you might get a lot of views in this moment but you don't want to get a reputation as a trend chaser because if you hop on a hot trend now you're going to keep doing it and it's like an addiction and it's going to be hard to stop. And I've seen many channels that started as comic book channels but then chased whatever the big uh, whatever the big thing at the moment was. You know be it like Injustice content or like be it whatever hot TV show was at the time and they made their channel only about those things. And in doing that and by continuing to flip back and forth between what's hot at the moment, they never built an identity. And in never building an identity, they never built an audience is the thing. I am happy to say that I have really great fans who are you know, a loyal audience because they know what I'm about and they keep coming and I'm totally not sucking up to them because there's like a couple of them in the crowd right now. But seriously, getting to meet you guys was great. I'm glad we all got to take pictures. (laughs) But yes, uh, oh yes, you ma'am. Mm. So what is your favorite review that you have done? Ooh, oh, that's really good. Oh, what is my favorite review? Uh, I, I feel like this would change every year you ask me this, but I think recently... Uh, Again, to to, to get all Ratatouille on you for a second here, you know, I I feel my best as a critic when I come out to defend something new and different and something that maybe people aren't giving a chance, but that I see something brilliant in. Uh, Secret Empire from Nick Spencer. Everyone hated that book because everyone just read the headlines where it's like, oh no, they made Captain America Hydra. And I'm like, yeah, they made him a secret Hydra agent. Like after three years of story and build up to this and the realities being rewritten and like cool secret conspiracy, stuff. is like for all the people who just jumped on, yeah, but you don't know the rich backstory though. I promise it's good if you knew the rich backstory. There's so much here and he's making a point point. he's trying to say something about modern times. And you know, Steve Rogers is a, you know, stand in for, you know, America's is like, ah, and you're already gone. You've already moved on to the next thing. That's a problem with comic books too. I feel like even really good comic book journalism is, fu- is like finite and like only here for a minute because it's an industry that never stops new issues just keep coming and coming and you know it's hard sometimes to go back and reevaluate things which is a shame because comics are art you know they're artwork and they're writing and I feel like a lot of these things should be revisited but yeah I'm, I'm really proud of Secret Empire because I stuck in there and I stuck to my guns and I'm like no this is good and I can explain why this is good I've also gone the other way, too, on that, where, you know, I will actively be like, no, this is terrible, what do people say in this? And again, I I might get some boos in this very room right now. Tom King's Batman. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think it's completely obsessed with itself. I don't think it's very good. I think Tom King is a good writer. I thought his vision, 12 issues, was great. I thought his Mr. Miracle was really good. I think he's a writer that thrives in 12 issues, and this is his first time writing a full monthly series and they give him Batman right out of the gate. I don't think he was ready. I don't think he fully thought it through. I think he works better in 12 issues. And I just think I think the series like actually gets worse and worse. And in fact, it's getting cut short because he's getting called up to write something for Hollywood soon. He's gonna be writing that new Gods movie. So I mean, he, I, I think he's a creator that even though I've said lots of bad stuff about his work, I don't think he cares because I think he's laughing all the way to the bank. And I have met Tom King. And it was when I was giving him not favorable reviews. Nice man to me, super cool dude. Uh, again I talked to him how much I liked Mr. Miracle. I don't think he knew who I was. Maybe he would have felt different if he knew who he was cuz I didn't have a badge that said my name on it. I'm like, "Hey man, I really like that first issue of Mr. Miracle." Oh, thanks, man. I'm like, "Oh, I like I liked the Jesus imagery there cuz you know, hi, father and they're walking on the beach and the two sets of footprints and that's that's fun." I think when Tom King's run is done, I think what I should really do is I need to do a video looking back, and I need to be like, look, here are the five things I actually liked from his run, so you can all leave me alone in the comments <laughs> section. But uh, yes, any anything else at all? Also, I I don't have the time on me. Am I going overtime? No one's going to get mad at me if I. Uh... It's 4:30. Okay, 4:30. But when does the next one start? Um, oh yes, you all the way in the back. Oh, 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 Scott Snyder. Man, I owe so much to Scott Snyder's Batman. I really, really do. I cut my teeth reviewing that book when The New 52 started. The New 52 was a great boon for comic book YouTubers and comic book people. In fact, I don't think me and my friends would have our jobs now were it not for The New 52 and this new, uh, newly rev- uh, re- uh, revived interest in DC Heroes and you could complain like this wasn't as good as that and they changed that origin story but the truth is I have nothing but love for it cuz I wouldn't be here without it but yeah Scott Snyder is great and continues to do great work with Batman both in Justice League and the Batman who laughs I mean he's 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 one of the greats he's one of the all-time greats and moreover than that another super nice guy he's actually one of the few creators who wrote me and said hey man glad you liked it thanks for making the video and I'm like oh man a creator actually saw something I did, because it still blows my mind even five years later that any creator actually watches what I do and actually cares about what I do. I'm still very much in the headset I was in five years ago. I'm like, oh, I make this for my friends to laugh, I do this to kill time. And then I'm like, no, I don't do that anymore. And yes, creators do watch and they do listen. And maybe because of that, you know, I should try that much harder to make them good, especially when I know it's someone's first book is the thing I really try and take extra care uh Teenie Howard she's uh she's writing the Thanos miniseries right now which is really good really re- really good stuff it, it's an origin story of like Thanos raising Gamora during the first time they met and it's like it's darkly funny and like it's kind of like a cosmic beast with no nation and i'm like oh this is this is this is really good stuff and she she wrote me and she tweeted me and she's like hey thanks for the video glad you liked it and uh, you know i i feel like you know uh, that that's a connection right there now obviously you know to remain impartial as a critic i don't want to get too friendly with the people i'm reviewing because i know that could be seen as a conflict of interest there but uh, i'm glad to say the majority of people i meet are super cool and scott snyder is definitely one of those people just a great dude, and you know, I, I, I cannot wait to see what he does next, actually. So that's really good. Uh, yeah, uh, you. Uh, are your thoughts on oh, uh, oh, the book Symbiote Spider Man. Uh, I have not read it. I think it's a cool premise to be like, hey, let's fill in the blanks uh, for Spider-Man when he had the suit and all those years he can't remember. I know they brought Mysterio back into that because he's going to be in the new movie, which makes a lot of sense. And the book is sticking around because it's getting an absolute carnage tie-in, which is actually kind of cool that this book that's set in the past is going to be getting a tie-in. But uh, no, I haven't uh, had a chance to really sit down and read it, but uh, I hear good things. So there you go. Uh, Yes
1: personal, on your own personal opinion since you were talking about writers. Uh. Any of them, you would ever want to call the Multiverse. Oh, yeah. Because I know Joshua Williams, really intact with the
0: base as well. Yes, so oh. Oh, boy, is he ever. Oh, yeah, there's so many people. Uh, Obviously, I would like to talk to Jim Zub. In fact, I, I was trying to get Jim Zub on the show. He's Canadian, too. I take a real interest in the careers of other Canadians because <laughs> I figure, hey, man, uh, high tides raise all ships, and if you're doing good, I'm doing good. I, I actually had a friend. Uh, he's an animator out in PEI, and he said, oh, hey, Jill, you're going to Geektopia is Jim Zub gonna be there too. I'm like, no. He's like, oh, I thought you just uh, latched onto him wherever he goes. And I'm like, look, he's my good luck charm. He's a nice guy, but no, I went to this one of my own accord. But yeah, uh, Jim Zub definitely. Gail Simone. I don't think she does as many interviews anymore, but I think she's great. I'd really like to talk to her. Uh, G Willow Wilson naturally to another person who I think is just a very interesting person on top of being a cool writer. Uh, I feel Snyder would be good. I I actually did a lot more interviews. Here's a shocking thing about uh, comic book YouTube. I used to do a bunch of interviews back in the day. They don't do good numbers. People love comic books. People love superheroes. They don't like to see how the sausage gets made most of the time. Isn't that crazy? That people don't want to hear what the writers have to say although i've gotten slick now if you listen to the comic multiverse which is the video podcast i do every wednesday 8 a.m eastern standard time uh i've done this smart thing where it's like okay here's the show as you know it, and then i'll sneak in an interview segment right at the end and be like ha ha, ha you were already watching it so you can't leave now i mean you could because it's the internet you could just click it off whenever you wanted but yeah th- those are definitely the ones i would like to get uh uh, even some animation people have reached out to me, too. Uh, Josh Tremel, uh, he does that show, Craig of the Creek, on uh, Cartoon Network, and he's just a super cool dude who loves wrestling and comic books and other nerdy things, and he, like, followed my channel because I'm always saying good things about the show. And I'm like, hey, man, you want to, like, talk about this thing on my thing? There's there's a lot of that in the internet. Like, hey, I like you. You like my thing. Can we Can we do a thing? Can we, like, co-op a thing? And most of the time, they're pretty cool about it. I cannot tell you how many things and how many doors I have opened for myself in this YouTube thing just by writing a nice letter. Like, uh, ad sponsorship is a popular thing. Uh, I talked about it a little about app companies and everything. But even just like uh, little incidental things like beard oil. So there's like a million beard oil companies every day. On Instagram, I see a new one, and I'm like, oh, that looks fun. And, you know, this person, you know, they're struggling out here trying to do a business like me. I will write them up. I have a little thing like, hey, man, I have a channel. I have this many viewers. I like what you do. You want to sponsor a video so I can do this? And a lot of times they say yes when you say, uh, when you just ask nicely. I've been turned down a lot, but a lot of the time they just, yeah, sometimes they just do it. Oh, another funny story, uh, so Crystal Pepsi is back now, but it wasn't before, they like did like a soft relaunch of Crystal Pepsi, and I never had it before, and I really wanted to try it. And I'm like, ooh, this would be good video content, because you know everything is content when you're a YouTuber. Again, everything I'm doing now, I've been taking nothing but pictures and videos while I've been here. And I'm like, man, I really wanna try some Crystal Pepsi. So, apropos of nothing, I went to the Frito-Lays website, and I wrote a Pepsi ink can, and I'm like, hey, can I have some? They FedExed one out to me the next day. <laughs> I was shocked. This was like a total shot in the dark. Like this is never gonna happen. They're not gonna take interest in me. And they're like, yeah, man, what's your shipping info? And they just sent it. Someone actually came to my door with a single bottle of Crystal Pepsi to try on my thing, and I did. And I'm like, well, now I have to do this. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it. Did, do we still have more time, or is this? Is this? I'm sure Nestle someone was going. Five. Okay, I was gonna. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, any more questions? Anything else? I'll, yes.
1: Uh, when there's a movie or a show about a particular character mm. coming out, uh, do you notice there's any, like, increased popularity or traffic for Storylines for that character, or is it pretty
0: Sometimes, but only sometimes. Like, obviously, when the Guardians of the Galaxy movie hit big, Guardians content started going up there because people were interested and they wanted to learn and they wanted to know what was going on. And that, I think that happens more for obscure characters. You get a little bit more of that because people want to educate themselves. Because people, you know, want to be too cool for the room and know what's going on. Doesn't so much happen with characters that are already pre-established. Like Batman and Superman, if ever they're doing a new project with them, you don't really see an uptake in their stuff. I feel like Batman and Superman are as popular as they're ever going to be. And, you know, no new thing adds interest to it. And then sometimes you get complete uh, anomalies, like uh, like the Hulk recently. That new Immortal Hulk book from Al Ewing is amazing. And people actually caught on to that it's amazing. And my Hulk reviews that used to do terrible, but I did anyway, because I love the Hulk. He's like my second or third favorite Marvel character. I'm like, so obviously I got to talk about the Hulk. Whether or not it does good or not, that's the the way in which I'm a bad YouTuber and I'm a bad person, is that like, I will make videos solely because I want to. I feel you have to creatively, like obviously you gotta do the ones that make money, but like, every third or fourth one, this one's just for Joel, is what this one is. And that used to be Hulk, but now Immortal Hulk is great, and they're like talking about it in Newsweek and stuff, and it's getting this huge write-up, and it's doing like, 3,000 views. Which for comics doesn't sound like, which doesn't sound like much in the greater scheme of YouTube, but trust me. For comic books, that's a pretty good number for a single issue. I promise, fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, so, it varies. It greatly, greatly varies. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it does not. Is mostly how it goes. Uh, Anything else? Yes? Um,
1: would you ever consider doing books, like, reviewing books from uh, other publishers, like IDW and Mm -hmm. Dark Horse?
0: Uh, I do consider it a lot, and nine times out of ten, the numbers just are not there for them. Even in something incredibly popular, uh, just recently they had that Rick and Morty Dungeons and Dragons crossover, and being a massive nerd, I'm like, oh, I love both these things, and it's a comic book, and it's written by Jim Zub, I need to talk about this. And I did, and it did did okay. It didn't do as good as, like, even the worst Batman comic <laughs> Like, that's the thing, like, some things are just evergreen. Like, the worst Spider-Man comic will always do better than the best 10 out of 10 indie book. And also, too, I think at this point in my career, I've kind of carved out a niche where it's like, oh, he's the superhero guy, he's the Marvel and DC guy. I try and change it every so often. I try and say, like, oh, will this be the one that hits? It never really does, and people always say, hey, when are you going to cover more indie comics? When are you going to cover this? And my answer is, when more people get interested, <laughs> I will. That's not to say I don't love indie comics. I love Southern Bastards from uh, Jason Aaron. A lot of that image stuff is really good. I would love to talk about it more. But again, I just, I just maybe I haven't found the right way yet to get people interested in it. Uh, obviously, Valiant was pretty huge a while ago, and they're trying to make a comeback now, they've had some major, you know, shakeups in the uh, office department, but uh, Valiant did really good getting in nice and tight with YouTubers like myself. This is before, uh, what is it, before I went solo, I feel our relationship would have been a little different if I wasn't, but Valiant was really smart when they brought themselves back to get to the content creators online and be like, hey, new interesting things happening at valiant would you like to talk about these new and interesting things because we think it would be mutually beneficial for us and that's something that marvel and dc have just never done and it's a shame that valiant's power structure got so messed around and they got bought out by like a ruthless venture capitalist firm and a bunch of the people i actually knew and who were nice don't work there anymore they uh, they did actually reach out to me again they did, and I and I felt kind of dirty about it because I'm like, ah, oh, guys, you know, I kind of knew the other people. They were really good to me and really cool with me, and you're the guys who took their job. So I feel, I feel like I really shouldn't. But uh, yeah, that's that's that answer your question there about other uh, comics on the channel. If there is a demand for it, of course, I have a new show now called The Story So Far. So maybe if like a book on its own didn't work, but a whole arc worked better, I'd probably do that. Suggestions for two books, quickly. Yes, go right they, ahead. Very recently, uh, the Buffy Angel rights. Right. They went from Dark Horse over to IEW and they relaunched the entire stuff. Really. Yeah. Um. They relaunched Buffy back in like January. Oh. And they relaunched Angel like two months ago. Interesting, huh? That that might be a, that might be an interesting place to start, huh? Yeah. All right, sounds good. Uh. Anything else from anyone else? Anyone else at all? Any questions? Any comments? I guess
1: just really quickly, any favorite writers or like your favorite characters? Oh,
0: sort of? okay, sure, okay, but more chance to talk about myself, why not? Uh, obviously again, Scott Snyder, can't go wrong, his Justice League is the best thing at DC right now, one of the only things you really have to read. Uh, James Tynan, again, I'm happy to say I've actually seen this dude's career like take off, like he has been writing for as long as I have been reviewing comics, So I feel kind of like a kinship with this dude. I have an interview with him that, again, I think is lost to time in the internet because I did it for Name Redacted. But uh, yeah, he's just a really cool dude. Uh, You know, Kyle Higgins I like a lot. He doesn't really write superhero stuff anymore. His Bucky series from this year, his Winter Soldier series, wildly underrated oh my god, search this book out, I want a continuation to it. He did something so smart with Winter Soldier, making him like a dude who tries to get people out of like bad situations, kind of like what he was in with the Russian government. And I'm like, that's so cool and so not Captain America. I'm glad that's a thing. Uh, Tim Seeley, he's really funny. Jimmy Palmiotti and his wife Amanda Connor love them to death. Obviously G. Willow Wilson, as I mentioned before, is great. Uh, Teenie Howard is becoming a new favorite of mine. Uh... Oh, I'm gonna feel like a jerk if I uh, mention someone who actually watches the show and be like, "Hey Joel, why didn't you mention me?" <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's just a lot of really solid talent out there these days. But uh, yeah, those those are really solid. Uh. My favorite, my favorite superhero I've mentioned before, and it's a hero who I'm sure is very near and dear to Vancouver because his show is filmed here, uh, Green Arrow, or just Arrow as they call him on TV. I have problems with the Arrow show and its uh, depiction of him, but at least at least Green Arrow got a little bit more uh, popular in the pop culture subconscious there for a minute. Uh, he sadly doesn't have a book right now, which breaks my heart that he doesn't have a book. But uh, yeah, love him, love Jonah Hacks, love the off-strander Suicide Squad stuff uh, man, he needs to write some more comics again, and obviously, you know, Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, Wonder Woman, you know, those, that, they're the evergreen ones, they're the ones that are never going anywhere, I, I always feel like I like the underdog hero, I always try and root for the underdog hero in the underdog book, that's always kind of my thing, that's, uh, that's how I choose to do it, but, uh, yeah. Uh, anything else? Any YouTube questions? Any comic questions? Anything at all? anything Did you
1: like Red Hood and the Outlaws written by James Tyne? Ah! Yeah.
0: For, for the minute he wrote <laughs> it, yes! For the minute he wrote it, I was giving it a chance! He was going places in that book and they're like, nah man, Scott Lobdell for life, apparently. He just can't divorce him from that character. He is just joined at the hip with Red Hood. But I mean, it keeps hanging in there through every reboot and every relaunch, so he must be doing something right, I guess. <laughs> I guess that fan base must enjoy it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. I'm just not going to cover it. But uh, yeah, so I guess from there, if no one has anything else, I'll start winding this one down then. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming out. This was an absolute joy and a pleasure. I hope I was able to teach y'all a little something. Thank you for sitting and listening to me yak this whole time. Uh, A YouTuber's job is also never done, so as soon as I'm done this panel, I gotta go back to the con floor and take more b-roll footage because I'm not just doing this panel video, I'm also doing a con journal video because everything is content, and if you uh, wanted to hear your question back, and wanted to relive the panel, uh, you can do so over at the Cape Joel channel on YouTube. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming today. It was an absolute pleasure. Aw, oh, thank you. Ah, oh, my first applause. Oh, so good. Woo! Oh, oh, all for me. Wash over me. All for me. But yes, on that note, everyone, I will bring the panel to a close. Uh, thank you, GeekTelbio, for bringing me out here. Thank you, everyone, for coming. I'm so happy I got to meet all these fans. And hey, let's let's do it again next year, everyone. Bye bye Right
1: on. Thanks Joel, see you around.